0: I'm going crazy cause real life sucks And I quit my job because I hate it so much But I got new books and like they're the best So let's talk about them cause I'm pretty much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Pretty
1: much obsessed Pretty much obsessed Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretty Much Obsessed, the comic book and geek culture podcast for new and old fans alike. Uh, my name's Dalton. My name is Chris. His name is Chris, and... I want my own
0: little song about how my name is Chris.
1: <laughs> we are, you already have the theme song that you wrote yeah. and have performed. You should just uh, amend the theme song with like a little tag where you say, And my name is Chris. I might do that. And I'll be left out and I'll just...
0: I actually am thinking about writing a new theme song because in the theme song it says I hate my job and I actually don't at all actually really like my job. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, it's a, but it's a good theme song though. Yeah. You, know, you know what? I bet most of our listeners hate their jobs. so That's,
0: that's why I wrote it that way. Cause I it felt represents
1: like it, our base.
0: I felt like it was just kind of like a cliche for people who would rather be reading comic books or whatever to be like, oh, Work.
1: Unless, unless you work in a comic book shop, your job is probably not ideal. And even then, I bet it gets, uh, gets a little if, old.
0: Or if you write comic books, maybe. That's true. Or if your name is Evan Rachel Wood and you're on a little show called Westworld.
1: Yeah, so today is kind of a big show. Of course, we're going to be talking about the comic books of the week, uh, as we always do, and talking about some current events at the top. But at the end, we are going to give our breakdown of the season finale of Westworld, a show we have been obsessing over uh, since it started.
0: Spoiler alert, I only read two books this week and I have very little to say about them. So I think comic book chat will be pretty quick.
1: I have a few uh, that I have some stuff to say, but nothing super in-depth. It was a fifth week for comics, which usually means a little bit lighter uh, output uh, from the major publishers. But I still read some really great comics this week that I want to talk about. And some not-so-great ones that I want to talk about, too.
0: And then, after we get through that, we'll have our big, fat Westworld chat. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but let's get right to current events, because we have a lot to talk about this week. Current uh, events.
0: Power uh, Power Rangers. What happened with Power Rangers? It's a movie that's being well, made.
1: Yeah, but we already talked about the trailer. What happened this week?
0: <laughs> um, I found out that Rita Repulsa is in it. Do you remember yep. Power Rangers? Oh of course. We, I we remember Rita. So Rita is a character in this movie played by do you know who she's played by?
1: Elizabeth Banks.
0: Yeah, and Looking I just fierce. So- I don't know when that news broke, but I just found out, and I saw the pictures, and I was like, wow, that is really good. That's the best thing I've seen so far.
1: Looks nothing like the original reader, Repulsa. uh, Yeah, not really. That's okay.
0: Maybe reminiscent, but definitely... Look, man, uh,
1: I want some Ivan Ooze. That's what I want. Ivan Ooze was the peak Power Rangers villain. He terrified me as a child. I was afraid to watch that movie.
0: It's most certainly not happening in this movie. I know,
1: I know. But, okay, what did happen this week was the controversy over, what's his fucking name, Uh, the robot. Alpha Uh,
0: 5?
1: Yeah, Alpha 5. What did you think of that redesign?
0: I actually really like it.
1: I'm I'm fine with it. I don't have, I feel like there's some people out there that have some uh, very, uh, strong feelings about these Power Rangers characters that I maybe don't have. I love them as children, but hey, like you redesign Alpha 5, I'm not going to get super pissed. Um, and like, okay. I think he looks fine. I he mean, definitely looks more organic, you know, which is creepy, definitely, but it seems to be the vibe they're going with with this new Power Rangers
0: reboot. Yeah, they're like very clearly trying to modernize it and flesh it out and make it seem a little bit more... God, I need a better word, because realistic is not the word here.
1: Well, but... they're going for an organic feel. You know, the original Power Rangers, they seem to be all techno robot stuff. Like, that's what Alpha 5 was, was just a robot. And, I mean, I guess their costumes, they just wore latex. Or spandex, not latex. <laughs> that would be sexy. Uh, spandex maybe like, maybe, be-
0: maybe believable is the word I'm looking for. Like, they're trying to make it look like, you know, like... Not just some idiot in a costume, you know? Like they're Right, trying I think to they're
1: playing the uh, alien aspect of it up.
0: Really, truly trying to make him look like an alien robot. And yeah. I don't know, I mean, obviously it's going to look different than it did in the show. If right. they made it look like it did in the show, people would be laughing at it for how ridiculous it is.
1: And honestly, the, what really matters is that Alpha 5 is being played by Bill Hader, and so he's going to be awesome no matter what, because Bill I, Hader is the best.
0: Did not know that, but that is pretty good.
1: Yeah, Bill Hader is the voice of Alpha 5.
0: More of that, please. Also, Legion is coming on February 8th. Did you know that?
1: Yeah, I'm so excited for this. Uh, Legion is one of my favorite X-Men characters.
0: Yeah, uh, starring Dan Stevens, who I don't know from anything, but I also just found out that Aubrey Plaza is going to be in this show. Yes,
1: and also important, it's created by Noah Hawley, who has worked on FX on the show Fargo, which is fantastic. Fargo is one of the greatest shows on TV right now, so I'm so happy that he's doing this Legion show because he
0: is good. So hopefully Um, that'll be good. I won't watch it, but you can tell me what you think. Why
1: aren't you going to watch it?
0: Because it doesn't interest me.
1: But Legion, (laughs) Hold on, do you know about
0: Legion, though? I know that he's Professor X's son and that he's super powerful. He's and probably had... not
1: going to be Professor X's son in this. I'd be surprised if he was for them to make such a direct connection to the movies. Oh. But what's... Interesting about him is that he sort of has like every mutant power at once, but they're all divided into his split personalities. So he's like completely crazy and can't control his powers at all because he's always slipping between personalities. Um and so this that could be an awesome
0: cool if it's awesome. Well
1: done. Yeah. This could be an awesome like exploration of like, you know, his sort of grappling with his mental illness and his powers and uh
0: I just have good. a feeling it won't be very good.
1: Honestly, Noah Hawley is one of the best content creators on TV right now. I trust him with anything. I think he's going to okay. knock it out of the park.
0: Well, all right. I'll watch. I'll watch the. I'll watch. The watch pilot. the pilot. Watch, the, watch pilot. the pilot.
1: We'll talk about the pilot when it comes out.
0: Luke Cage has been renewed for a second season. Which oh, I what guess, a surprise! I guess. I mean, sure. Okay. All right.
1: Fine. Uh, all those Marvels are going to get second seasons.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a done deal. Luke Cage. Iron didn't... Fist will
1: get a second season.
0: Luke Cage did not do particularly well.
1: I think it did pretty well. Well, I mean, Netflix never really reveals their numbers. You know, like, their viewing numbers, I don't think. I just mean uh, review-wise. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz on it, though. Like, and people by review-wise,
0: I mean our review, where we said <laughs> that it was just okay.
1: Uh, I can see how they could improve it with a second season, though. You know, and yeah, get, make it stronger. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 trailer dropped this week, the full trailer. Uh... And I'm super stoked. And you are Groot, and I am stoked. Um, I, I think this trailer looks awesome. I'm so excited to have a full movie where they're just the team and not putting together the team, you know? That's yeah. always kind of the, the sucky thing about, you know, uh, first movies, like whether it's Star Trek... Or you know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or the Avengers, is you have to watch half the movie as them putting the team together, and then, like, by the end, they're the team. But, like, I'm excited to see them all together for the first time uh, from the beginning, having adventures. Uh, it already looks really funny, uh, which, of course, is what the, the first one is really known for. Um, I'm excited about Mantis, who's seen at the end of the trailer uh, in a pretty funny scene where she tells everyone that Star-Lord is in love with Gamora. Uh, yeah, Mantis yeah. is a hero from the original Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics, so I'm excited to see her show up in the movies. Um, what'd you think of the trailer? I know you were hot and cold on Guardians of the Galaxy to begin with, because you're not the biggest Marvel movie fan, but what'd you think was, of the trailer? Uh,
0: the trailer looks really good. It looks yeah. it looks good. I'll, I'll watch that, probably. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think Guardians of the Galaxy are some of the best Marvel movies. Um, you know that first one,
0: but I am far more excited for Rogue One, which is eleven days away.
1: I can't believe it's that close. I keep forgetting it's that close,
0: and uh, should, it still really, feels sh- like it's
1: like four months away.
0: I shouldn't describe it that way because people are going to listen to this at different times. But it's coming out. You on may the have 16th. already seen it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's unlikely because we'll have another episode
1: by that. Yeah, but maybe people will be going back through the archives. You know.
0: Well, I know people. <laughs> people do do that.
1: I wonder what they thought about the Westworld finale.
0: Um, but yeah, it's coming out. Uh, film theorist did a pretty interesting prediction video on it. Did you catch that?
1: No, I kind of want to go in totally blind. I don't want to uh, have you any don't wanna, expectations.
0: You don't want to hear the theory?
1: I don't think so. But tell it to me. Well, let's save it for the end. Let's save it for the end in case people don't want to hear it. Because I know a lot of people that want to go into Rogue One completely blind.
0: Yeah, I, I respect I know people that, that. Aren't,
1: aren't even watching the trailer. Like, they really want to go in not knowing anything about it yeah okay all right fair enough. Uh, but we'll talk about the, tr- the theory. well at the end. if you
0: how about this if you want to know the theory, go check it out on YouTube. like I said, film theorists uh, okay. they make they make pretty good content on YouTube um, and they we have love a pretty, content. Pretty good interesting uh, speculative theory on on Rogue one <laughs> um, and I'm pretty excited for that movie.
1: Um, another film trailer they dropped this week was uh, Universal Studios the Mummy. Uh, Starring Tom Cruise. Uh, Yeah, so do you know what's going on with the Universal Monsters right now?
0: Nope.
1: So here's what's happening. No. Universal Studios.
0: (laughs) You're you're not wrong. I'm going to start with this. You're
1: not wrong. Uh, Universal Studios has decided that they want to reboot all of their classic monsters, uh, The Mummy, Dracula, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Invisible Man, Van Helsing, all that kind of stuff. They want to reboot it in a shared universe, just like the Marvel movies, where all of the movies are tied into one connected universe thing. Uh, And The Mummy is going to be the first in this series. Uh, And to helm this whole giant project, they have hired Alex Kurtzman, who, uh, let's just say, has a spotty reputation. Um, Now, in Hollywood, he has a great reputation because his films make money. I mean, his films make bank. I'm looking right now. In 2011, Forbes magazine said that his films had grossed a combined total of $3 billion at the box office.
0: So that's Um, all that matters when you're starting a cinematic universe. If If you want your own franchise... The movies don't have to be good. Just look at DC. No.
1: Let's, let's run down. So this, this is Alex Kurtzman's uh, filmography. It includes uh, Mission Impossible 3, which is good. Uh, Transformers. Watchmen. Star Trek. Good. The second Transformers. Cowboys and Aliens. Star Trek Into Darkness. Now You See Me. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of the highlights, so... I've seen very few of those movies. I've seen most of them, and I like about 40% of them. Um, and he is in charge of this whole, uh, new cinematic universe, uh, which appears, uh, even though they're the universal horror monsters, it appears to be taking sort of the action-adventure take that the Mummy trilogy with Brendan, uh, Brendan Fraser? Yeah, (coughs) Brendan Fraser took. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the Universal monsters as action adventure movies. Like, I feel like they're horror icons. Like, make scary movies. Uh, but I guess like it's probably hard in this day and age to make a Frankenstein movie that's scary. You know, like it's he's so like in the public consciousness that like, I, I don't know if it. That.
0: They could make that scary. I think
1: you could too, but they just want to make these action adventure which makes sense on the on the if you think of it as like these monsters are like super villains, right? Like essentially that's what they are. They're these villain characters. They're kind of like superhero movies centered around the villain instead of the hero. Uh but I don't know. This whole thing is going to be mediocre. Like everything about this tells me that this is going to be at best rent it, you know, when that's, they come out.
0: That seems generous yeah I feel like every second we spend talking about these movies is just time that we're like we're never gonna get back. <laughs>
1: uh, I just I, I think it's relevant, you know, because uh, we have you know comic fa- book fans are usually horror fans too and fans of these characters. but I have no hopes for this.' I'm, I hope I'm pleasantly surprised and I hope these turn out to be really good. Um, but I can't imagine that a mummy action movie starring Tom Cruise, I watched the trailer, and the trailer was fun, you know? The, f- the trailer was fun, some cool action in it. The twist is that the you know mummy... What other,
0: you know who else's trailer was fun? Mm. Bat- Batman v Superman. Mm. That's true. That is, <laughs> that is
1: really true. Uh, Save Martha! So the, uh, the twist here appears to be that the mummy is a female, a, a, an Egyptian princess, and Tom Cruise's hero character is also dead. What? He dies and comes back to life. Does he have mummy powers? Who cares? Whoa. But uh, we'll, we'll review it once it comes out on Blu-ray. <laughs>
0: Uh, no, we won't because we're not going to watch it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll 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 let people know if I think it's good. I'll I'll watch it, but uh, I'm not super I'll, stoked I'll, about it.
0: I'll maybe watch it depending on when it comes out on video and whether or not you and I are in the same place. Yeah. When it best happens.
1: case scenario, this whole thing ends up being so bad it's hilarious. Like best case, these movies are terrible and amazing to watch. You know. That's uh, yeah. That's okay. I, I can hope for that. You know. Yeah, that me too. These are just like pulpy, bad. That's fair. Uh,
0: movies, because um, I actually kind of imagine them being that way, yeah um, next item on on my list, as far as current events, not really news, but I am not watching Gotham anymore. I went, yeah. on, a, I went on a Twitter rant about this. If
1: you uh, want to read it, check us, follow us out at Pmuchobsessed. or follow us at P Much Obsessed uh, Chris went on a Twitter rant on our page about how he was done with Gotham.
0: There are some great actors on that show. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, Robin Lord Taylor. Benedict Samuel, who's doing Mad Hatter. Um, but it's just... I, I've i been broken by that show. Two weeks ago, you were
1: telling me that I had to watch season three.
0: Because there was, like, a Mad Hatter episode that was so good. Yeah. It was so good. But that's, like, the most that you can hope for is, like, oh, my God, this is really good right now, and it's bad again. Yeah. Like, the, the, like if you take... If you take certain things in Gotham out of context and just watch it, like, it might be really good. But the overall storytelling of of the show, like, as a series is just bad. Like, the characters don't develop. They don't go anywhere. They're just fully realized from their debut. And then they, like, it's just... And then, like, all this crap with, like, watching Penguin go through these same stupid little story arcs where he's dealing with, like, his personal issues and, like... (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> he's such a talented actor and the character is so good and the interpret like the interpretation of the penguin on that show is so good but they'd never use him for anything interesting ever like they complete like they finish the first season having him be like up on the top of a building and he's like after he like kills a crime lord and he's like yelling and he's like I'm the king of Gotham and then the lightning strikes behind him and it's like super awesome and mm. then like next season he's nobody again yeah it's just like I don't know. I just can't anymore. There's just so many things on that show that are just, like, so dumb. Well, I'm it's, sorry it's, for your loss. It's hard for me to go in-depth on it because you haven't seen it. Like, I could... We could have a long talk about about Gotham and why I'm not watching it anymore if you knew, like, more about it. But...
1: I mean, at this point, I, I'm probably not going to watch it, but... Well, no. Don't. <laughs>
0: it's just... It's just... it's. It could have been so good, you know? This is, like, that, that meme. It's, like, the meme from... From, uh, Revenge of the Sith, where Anakin's burning in the little pit on fire and Obi-Wan's like, You are the Chosen One! <laughs> like, that's me screaming at Gotham.
1: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I wish it was good. I would love to have a good Batman TV series to watch. If, uh,
0: if and nothing else... I know it's else, not a Batman
1: TV series, but Batman Universe.
0: If nothing else, though, go watch... I'll figure, I gotta figure out what episode it was. I think it was, like, episode four of this season, uh... Cause it was like a really good Mad Hatter episode and the plot in that show is so stupid that it doesn't really matter if you saw the other episodes cause it's all really stupid anyway and you'll yeah. understand what's going on. But like the Mad Hat, that Mad Hatter episode was so good. I can't even, Yeah. can't even, but anyways.
1: In, uh, in more hopeful news, uh, As you know, I'm getting my hopes up about this resurrection event that's going to be happening in Marvel Comics in the spring, where they're going to bring back the X-Men and allow them to be the X-Men, allow them to be superheroes and not just fight the Inhumans and die. Uh, So I am very excited for that, and part of the announcement was that there's going to be an Iceman and Jean Grey ongoing series, uh, two ongoing series, one for Iceman, one for Jean Grey. As you know, Iceman is my favorite X-Man and maybe my favorite superhero, and he has been underutilized for the last 20 years. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Iceman is one of the most powerful heroes in the Marvel Universe. Uh, he is an Omega-level mutant. I but, know that. Uh, he is rarely used as such. Um, but it looks like this series is going to kind of go into that a little bit. It's going to follow Iceman. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but he was outed by his younger self in the comics. Iceman is gay. Uh, and... He has been hiding it since he was a teen, and now he's been outed by his younger version that came from the past. Uh, And so this series is going to follow him as he sort of reconciles with that and sort of sees how... uh, how accepting himself as a person affects his power levels, you know, as a hero. Uh, he's not going to be on any X-Men team. He's just setting out on his own. Uh, and so I am very excited about this. And the creative team is Cena Grace, who is known for a number of image comics. Um, and uh, artist Alessandro Vidi. Um, That will premiere in the spring Uh, And then Jean Grey will also Be uh, premiering starring the younger Jean Grey pulled from the past Uh, And it's going to be written by one of my favorite comic Authors right now Dennis Hopeless I love Dennis Hopeless he's killing it He's making the only good X-Men series right now So I already know this is going to be good Because he's writing a good X-Men series as we speak Uh, An artist Victor Ibanez Uh, And this is going to be Jean Grey finding out That she may be in danger Of becoming the Phoenix again and hurting people And so she needs to go on a quest to Get more powerful really fast, so that she can avoid uh, catastrophe. Um, so I am really stoked about this resurrection thing that's going to happen, and I hope it makes the X Men worth reading again.
0: Uh, I'm just gonna... not. I'm just not doing X Men right now.
1: But may, resurrection might change things. It might turn things back around. I encourage yeah, well, you to embark on them with me when they come out.
0: I I'm. I guess open-minded to some yeah. extent, but I'm just like... <laughs> I'll be talking
1: about Inhumans versus X-Men number zero in just a few minutes here once we get to the comics. and It's kind of like when you have friends that. that are
0: fighting and you decide you're just going to not talk to them for a while. Yeah, but hopefully this will
1: be the dust settles and the X-Men are just... They're back, baby. The X-Men love, will be back. You
0: look so hopeful right I'm now. I'm so
1: hopeful. I want the X-Men to be good again. I love the X-Men.
0: Make uh, the X-Men great again.
1: If this... If this falls flat on its face, I'm going to weep into my pages.
0: I'm going to laugh and troll you about it. Yeah,
1: you will. (laughs) Uh, Any other uh, current events from you?
0: No, that covers it. Gotham sucks. Let's talk about comics.
1: Let's talk comics. Uh, I'm going to kick things off with a couple uh, number ones that came out this week. Uh, Starting with Ghost Rider number one. Uh, Let me pull it up here. So... uh, people that may have been lapsed from Marvel comics may not realize that a couple of years ago, uh, Marvel rebooted ghost rider with a new ghost rider, uh, who is a Hispanic kid who works as a mechanic who, uh, gets sort of possessed, who dies and is resurrected by this possessed car. Um, his name is, uh, Robbie Reyes, uh, It it was a limited series. It was probably like 13 issues uh, written by Felipe Smith. Uh, And it was fantastic. I loved that series. It was a cool new take on Ghost Rider, a character I had never cared about before. Um, and it turned him into this really sympathetic Hispanic kid with a disabled younger brother who's just trying to keep his brother safe and protect him while also being possessed by a demon that wanted him to kill people. Uh, I feel like
0: Nick Cage ruined Ghost Rider for me. And oh, he ruined
1: even, it for everyone.
0: I didn't everyone even,
1: hated Ghost Rider after Nick Cage.
0: I didn't even see the movie. I just saw yeah. the trailers.
1: No, that's what turned me off to Ghost Rider. That's why I was so not into the comics at all. Like but I remember when,
0: seeing the trailers for that movie... Like, when you'd, like, go to the theater to see something that you actually cared about and the trailer for Ghost Rider would come on, and I remember just being like, oh, wow. <laughs> uh,
1: so after that 12 or 13-issue series ended, it seemed like that was it for Robbie for the time being. Uh, but then he showed up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, introduced Ghost Rider, and they made it the Robbie Reyes version, um, which uh, I have not been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but uh, apparently he his... Uh, he has been very well-received and well-reviewed. And so Marvel has brought back the Ghost Rider series with Robbie Reyes. Uh, and so the number one issue came out today, and I was really let down. Uh, I was pretty disappointed in this issue. It's the same writer, which is great. It's Felipe Smith who created this character, this version of Ghost Rider. Uh, but it definitely seems like this is now a book that they are trying to mass sell You know, to all these Agents of, Shield's, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans. Um the The reboot of Ghost Rider before was cool because it didn't seem like it needed to have a huge audience, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. It was, they were just going to do something cool with the character. But now that the TV show is cool, they, like, the Hulk guest stars in this for no discernible reason at all. Like, the Hulk doesn't really fit in with Robbie Reyes' whole thing, but he's in it. And takes up about half the issue. Uh, and, uh... I was just kind of disappointed. I also was disappointed in the artwork. The artist on the original run had a very, very unique style, and I'm trying to remember the artist's name. I think he did the backing pages here. Um, But this was just kind of... uh, The Hulk discovers some creature that, like, turns into a rat and gets big and purple, and I don't... it, It was just kind of nothing... None of the personality and sort of unique design of the original series was really here. Um, so, I was bummed out by this. Uh, I hope they edit, and it doesn't, I don't feel like it's Felipe Smith's fault. This seems like an editorial thing where editorial is like, hey, you need to make Ghost Rider more accessible, so we're going to make sure you put the Hulk in there, you know? Uh, so, it doesn't seem like he, that's really a choice he would have made, but maybe it was, um, but I was kind of bummed out by it.
0: Okay.
1: Um, In other uh, Marvel stuff, Uh, in better Marvel news, the Star Wars annual came out. There were a lot of annuals this week. We're going to be talking about the Batman and Superman annuals when we get to DC. Is it just Uh, me?
0: Are there... uh, Do people not really like annuals, generally speaking? It's tough. Annuals are
1: weird. There's kind of two styles of annual. There's the collection of short stories, which we saw in the Batman annual this week. And then you have the single big story that we saw in the Superman Annual and the Star Wars Annual. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I I think they're just kind of a real mixed bag. I think they're the kind of thing like when you go into a comic shop and you're like, hey, I want a comic to read. The person's like, well, grab that annual. You know, it's a self-contained story. You don't have to get in anything. You know, it's like an easy way to just pick up a comic and have a story to read, you know, without needing to worry about anything. But they seem like a really mixed bag. Uh, Because I
0: read... So I read batman and superman and the batman and superman annuals yeah uh did not really like either one
1: really i was into the superman one
0: yeah i and i thought it was gonna i was expecting a little more because you told me it was good but it just seemed like like with the batman one it seemed like a bunch of stories that none of them really had time to breathe because they were all like just short stories except that first one with the with the dog and stuff
1: and i i still defend that scott snyder one too i like that one
0: and then with the Superman one, it seemed like a, a little bit longer story that still had like no time to breathe or really like declare what was happening. Like it, it felt like it could have. It felt like a story idea that should have been fleshed out within a story arc over right. several issues, but it was crammed into one issue. And like I was like, oh okay, now they're fight like okay, so now Superman's fighting Swamp Thing. Yeah, with the- very little explanation as to like why because somebody to like. You know, it's just one of those things where it's clear that somebody had the idea, like, let's have Swamp Thing fight Superman. And right. rather than, like, set up, like, a good reason for them to fight, they kind of just start going at it.
1: Right. And there were a lot of, like, really quick character turns where, like, Superman's, like, trying to talk. But then he's like, oh, no, you grabbed me. I'm going to punch you forever now, you know? Yeah. Like, kind of weird stuff just, like that.
0: Just was not – it just did not satisfy me at all. I I really
1: liked it because I thought the artwork was phenomenal. I thought that Swamp Thing design was awesome. I thought the creativity in how they used uh, Swamp Thing, where, like, uh, he beats one Swamp Thing, and then you see all these stalks of, like, a hundred Swamp Things, like, coming up, and then they, like, form a giant hand on him and stuff. I get it.
0: The Swamp Thing is awesome. That's, That's great. And it's not hard to come up with cool ideas for how to draw Swamp Thing or Superman.
1: Well, right, but still, the art was was I think really fantastic in this yeah, overall. It, and I thought it, it was a different. I thought it was a different setting for Superman, sort of having him like, uh, in this like deserted lake bed, and then getting sucked down underground. Like I thought it was really dynamic. Uh, I love the panel layouts and how a lot of the panel separations were done as like vines and organic material and stuff like that. Uh, I agree that the story was was kind of rushed and. Also, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know. It seemed like kind of a, a trivial thing for them to be fighting over. And then um, all of
0: a sudden it was resolved for, like, no reason. But I
1: appreciate that it is a self-con... To contain story that you don't have to have read anything else to have, to like sort of enjoy and understand. Like if this was your first Superman comic, you'd be fine. You know? I mean, there's like talk of how he's like the new Superman and he takes in something no, like, different from the old Superman. But like, you, but it's kind of all explained.
0: You wouldn't be fine because it's not a very good story. I mean, I don't know that I completely agree. I'm,
1: I'll, I'll agree that like it, it would have been nice to have more space, but I was satisfied by the end of it. Okay, pop
0: um, quiz, pop quiz. Yeah. Why did Swamp Thing decide at the end that everything was okay? Uh, because he... You can't look at the book right now. Well, okay, you have to but... just know. It's been
1: like four days since I read it. So let me... Uh, I, if I remember correctly, the issue is that Superman was still something lingering on his past from his previous world and... And so he was uh, still, like, vibrating in frequency to his original Earth. And now that he's here, he hasn't fully accepted that he's here. He's still trapped in the past of his previous world. And so Swamp Thing sort of takes him on this, like, vision quest thing and tells him that he needs to forget the past and embrace the present and his current world and his current family and his situation. And then oh, that helps okay. temper Superman's vibrational frequencies so that he's not har- harming the Earth as much.
0: Well, okay. So suck it. Oh, that was all lost on me. I didn't really get it. But yeah. I also was kind of rushing through it when I read it, to be yeah. fair.
1: That happens in all that, like, Vision Quest stuff towards the end. So, uh,
0: Which, Yeah, and that art was really cool, where it shows, like, Swamp Thing and Superman, like, merged. Yeah, that was sweet. Yeah, that was pretty cool.
1: I don't know. I really like this issue. Um, Star Wars Annual d- did a very sim- similar thing, where it was, like, self-contained story. But I think it was a self-contained story that was perfect for the size of the issue. It didn't feel rushed. Uh, it's just about this uh, engineer who works on this deserted planet and doesn't want anything to do with the Empire versus Rebellion battles, you know. Uh, and But she ends up finding an injured Princess Leia and having to nurse Princess Leia back to health and uh, ends up fighting some stormtroopers and trying to get Leia back to Han and Luke at the Millennium Falcon. And it was just a really great, self-contained little... Uh, planet-bound adventure story in the Star Wars universe that focused on a character whose perspective we don't really get to see, which is that of, like, the average person in the Star Wars universe who doesn't care about the Empire and the Rebellion, you know? Like, it's just... They've had... The only thing they know about that war is that their family members have been killed by it, you know? They don't want any part of it. They hate both sides for causing so much destruction. Uh, and this kind of tells the story of this woman that's one of them that gets dragged into the fight anyway. Um, And so, uh, again, Star Wars has been really great. Uh, Jason Aaron has been killing it, but this was actually written by Kelly Thompson, uh, and she slid right into the Star Wars universe seamlessly. And there's this opening first page of just, like, a downed Star Destroyer on this planet that's just beautiful. Um, So, again, Star Wars fans, I can't emphasize enough how much you need to be reading these Marvel Star Wars comics because they are so good. Um, but yeah, while we're on the subject of annuals, you want to talk the Batman annual in a little bit more depth? Nah. So basically, the Batman (laughs) annual... I
0: I really want to talk about Westworld.
1: Well, we're going to get to Westworld, uh, so the Batman annual came out this week, uh, which was a collection of short stories uh, to kind of that approach with the annual, all by different writers and all different artists. Um, And as with most collections of short stories by different writers and artists, it was a very grab-mixed bag kind of thing. Uh, The first one was by Tom King and David Finch, who are on the Batman Ongoing series, and it was really great. It was this awesome story about uh, they find uh, one of the Joker's attack dogs who's sort of been left to die on his own, and Alfred takes him in and over a period of a couple months trains him uh, to be sort of the uh, resident bat dog, I guess. Uh, And it's
0: completely unclear as you're reading it. They keep showing you from panel to panel like the progression of time. Like, it'll say, like... You know, I don't know. It starts in September, and then yeah. like, like every page, you're going to like another another day. Like if you go a few weeks forward,
1: and there's and this awesome like sequence where like. Batman's just sitting at the comput- at his, like, computer screen while Alfred is training the dog, and, like, every panel is a different day, and Batman's, like, going over some oh, new yeah. crisis. That and, was so uh, good. he's, like, oh, there's a hostage taking. Oh, and he's, like, doing, like, a riddle from the Riddler, and then one yeah. panel, he's just looking at the computer, and he's, like, Kite Man.
0: Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, when it said Kite, like, because there's <laughs> all the other villains, he, like, talks about, like, what they're doing. Yeah. And, like, he, he doesn't usually say who the villain is, but he says enough to, like, suggest what's going on. Right. Like, and he'll, he'll say, like, it's too obvious. And then there's one where he's just like, Kite Man. And I love, <laughs> like, it's so I love how Tom King keeps bringing Kite Man back.
1: Yeah. And meanwhile, on the foreground ground of all this is Alfred training this attack dog and just getting the shit kicked out of him by this dog.
0: Yeah, and it's, like, completely unclear why Alfred is doing it this whole time. Like, the whole time you're reading it. You're like, yeah. why does he have the dog? Why is he doing that? And then at the end it's kind of like, um the dog is finally being nice and it's like being a good pet and and uh, Bruce is like talking to it and telling him he's a good boy and stuff and, and then Bruce starts giving Alfred crap and saying like you didn't get me anything for Christmas and Alfred just gives him like this incredulous look. (laughs) Um, it's, it's really funny. It
1: was, it was a great story. It was a nice, like heartwarming Batman story, you know, that you don't often get in an ongoing series, which I
0: feel is what they were going for with most of the stories in this annual is like, they wanted to do like heartwarming Christmas stories. Yeah. And that for me was that first one was the only one that actually hit it.
1: I really like that. so the second one is by Scott Snyder and I believe it was Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair, who is a really great it's the same team I believe from the backstories in All-New Batman or I'm sorry All-Star Batman uh And it's just kind of, it starts out with Batman talking about how in Gotham City, you know, there's five emergency calls per second, you know, and there's never a a quiet moment. He's always got to be somewhere. There's always something to fix. And he goes to this city square because he thinks there's going to be a terrorist attack. And it turns out it's just a bunch of people at christmas and there's like these acrobats doing the show for everyone and he listens and he finds that there are no emergency calls being made and so it's just this one little like 30 second moment of silence that he gets before those emergency uh, calls start coming back in and i thought it was just kind of a nice like peaceful kind of moment you know i think the first story was like heartwarming and this was like kind of just like a moment of peace for batman
0: I was waiting for the acrobats to like blow something up and then Well
1: right. That's kind of the that's kind of the reveal is like you think they are. And that's what Batman thinks too. He thinks they're about to do pull some shit, you know, and be terrorists. Yeah. yeah. And then it turns out he just gets to watch something beautiful in his city for a minute without needing to worry about anything. Uh and then there's this fucking train wreck of a Harley Quinn story.
0: I don't really yeah. understand what you hate so much about that.
1: I okay, maybe I missed something, but I have no idea what all this stuff about like There's these kids, and one of them unwraps a Harley Quinn bat and beats up other kids with it. And then there's, Um, like, uh, this girl that's running away because someone's trying to snatch her purse. And then there's all these Harley Quinn balloons out of nowhere.
0: Oh, yeah. Like,
1: there's... That was all really weird. There's also... I just don't understand what it was about. And I hated the art style. Uh that's just a personal thing it's it's fine like there's not something objectively bad about this art style but it just felt really weird and everyone's faces looked bizarre and i don't know uh Mm. i was not a fan of this story then there's like some story that's clearly just setting up a new series and some character called the stag or something uh so that's whatever it's building up a new story and then there was this Arkham story at the end that I also didn't fully really understand and seemed insanely rushed for trying to fit in like two different supervillains into a four page story.
0: Um, Yeah. Well, I think what they're really doing there also is setting up future stuff by introducing a new villain.
1: I don't like that. If you're going to make an annual that's like Christmas stories, just let it be that, you know, like don't feel like you have to tease all this
0: yeah. New agree. I agree. Like, I don't agree. turn it I... into
1: advertisements
0: for your next book. Well and I thought that thing with stag was like completely out of place. Yeah, it really was. Real it was very jarring, which I'm sure is what they were going for, but it's just like no like no. Not yeah. right now.
1: I love those first two stories though. Uh especially that Tom King one was really great writing. We love like Tom the King. Character. Here.
0: I like the character that they introduced. Which the, is uh The Honor Honor.
1: I don't think she was introduced here. I think she's a Batman villain.
0: Uh, I've never heard of her. I looked her up and couldn't find anything.
1: Really? Yeah. Let me see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, maybe she is new. So maybe they were trying to uh, to introduce her for something new coming up. Yeah, but
0: that's kind of what I think. And I think that character has a lot of potential. So Yeah, uh,
1: I don't really remember anything she did from that last story because it was just kind of a blur.
0: I mean, what seems kind of like what kind of clarifies that they're introducing her is just the fact that like they say in here somewhere how she's been in Arkham like forever like for I don't remember like 30 years or something. Yeah. So we're led to believe that she's just been hanging out in Arkham for like a really long time.
1: Yeah. Probably in this new Batman timeline, probably pre-Batman potentially. Could be.
0: Could yeah. Be. But I don't know because she was friends she's friends with Scarecrow ostensibly from before she went to Arkham, like they must've been doing stuff together. And I don't think Scarecrow is necessarily like a pre Batman character.
1: Honestly, fuck me for trying to figure out DC continuity. I mean, nobody, nobody, (laughs) I don't know why I tried.
0: (laughs) There's literally no one who knows. So whatever.
1: Uh, but yeah, so that was the Batman annual, uh, in more mixed bag news, uh, fucking Inhumans versus X-Men kicked off this week with Inhumans versus X-Men number zero. And Marvel keeps tugging, my, tugging me around with this shit because I've talked about Death of X on here, which is sort of the prelude series to Inhumans vs. X-Men, which was bad. Um, and now it's leading to this Inhumans vs. X-Men, which is sort of the peak of what everyone hates about what's happening right now. But they brought in my favorite artist in the Marvel stable right now, Kenneth Rockefort, who did The Ultimates. They pulled him off The Ultimates. Let me just... One of my favorite books... They pulled him away from the Ultimates to work on Inhumans versus X-Men. So fuck you, Marvel. But also I'm going to read the shit out of it because I love his artwork. So I did read Inhumans vs. X-Men number
0: zero. And surprisingly... Hashtag Marvel sucks.
1: <laughs> no, it's just this fucking X-Men stuff that's going on. Uh, you know I'm still a Marvel boy. Uh Honestly, though, the writing was pretty great on this. Charles Soule is at least making the best out of this shitty situation. Uh, this sort of just kind of catches up on how Beast went over to the Inhumans to try to find a cure for uh, the in- the Terrigen Cloud that's killing all the mutants. And, of course, he can't find one. Um, and, meanwhile, Emma Frost is building her own plans for how to stop the Inhumans. Um, and so it's just a lot of kind of moving the pieces in place. But it was the dialogue was really well-written. The characters were really faithful. Like, I I like this version of Emma Frost. I like this version of Magneto. I thought Beast was really well written. The Inhumans weren't insufferable, which was great. Um, So I actually have hopes that this will be bearable. Uh, The sucky part is that it's going to continue until March. Kill me now. But if it keeps this quality and stays on schedule, we could survive this. We could survive this. If it's still like this good and it doesn't turn into a Civil War thing where it ends up being like eight months long
0: things can hashtag, be fine. Hashtag Hill Hydra. <laughs> uh,
1: but I love Kenneth Rockiford's art, and it really made it worth it, because I could just not even read these word balloons and just stare at his art, and it would be great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think all... I have uh, the other only other thing I want to talk about, and then we'll get to Westworld. Don't worry. I know you're, you're itching. I know you're itching. Uh, Miss Marvel number 13 was a Get Out the Vote issue... Uh, literally a month too late. <laughs> uh But it was great. It was a great issue. It was really heartwarming. Uh, I love Miss Marvel, and the story is that it's election day in Jersey City, and she finds out that at the last minute her city has been redistricted and a lot of people have lost their uh, voting access. Um, and so Miss Marvel investigates and finds out that one of the mayoral candidates is a HYDRA agent, and has done this uh, redistricting to try to secure him the vote, even though he does not have the support of the people. So Miss Marvel goes on this big get out the vote campaign and teams up with a bunch of people in the city, and they go knock on door to door, and they get people that are like, "I'm not voting in protest," or "I'm I don't believe in either candidate. They both suck." And Miss Marvel takes them both down and says, "It's your responsibility." It's a very like you know uh, heartwarming kind of issue that just really stings right now. Like, if this had come out before the election, I would have felt so empowered. I've been like, yes, this is America. And it coming out right now is just like, it's, uh, you know, salt in the wound. Uh,
0: What wound is that, Dalton?
1: You know what wound I'm talking about. Uh, But uh, it's a really great issue, and uh, what here's the thing it's like it's salt in the wound because it's like such a hopeful issue about American democracy. Uh, and then it ends with them getting the Jill Stein character elected, <laughs> which I thought was, uh, Anyway, I'm not going to get into
0: politics, but like they have a they have a stand in for Jill Stein.
1: Yeah, they have like there's like the two main mayoral candidates, and then there's like this third party candidate who's like a librarian and is interested in like a, like has none of the vote. But then because Miss Marvel goes out and gets everyone to vote, they all vote for the third party candidate, and the third party candidate gets elected. So uh, I'm not going to get into the politics of that, but. It was a very fun and issue that I would have enjoyed if I wasn't still in physical pain every morning waking up. Uh, but <laughs> love Miss Marvel. Sounds
0: sounds really preachy. Uh,
1: well, I mean, it was it was kind of an after school special kind of issue, but it's the kind of thing like Miss Marvel is definitely a character that's aimed towards younger readers, you know, and younger readers that are seeing her as a role model and seeing her for inspiration. So like that's why I'm okay with it. If this were like. Aimed for like you know hardcore nerds, you know like it, yeah, it no, would just I, come I off as it. preachy. But as something designed for like young women and especially young minorities, uh, it's it's kind of a powerful thing to be talking about. Uh, and then I promise I'll just keep this to one more book oh and we can get to God. us. For
0: oh. Look,
1: man, you got to read more comics. Keep up with me. Keep up with the king. Oh. Keep up with the king.
0: What? What else did you read?
1: Well, I mean, I read about fifteen more comics, but I'm not going to talk about them well, all.
0: What's your other book that you have to talk about, you <laughs> freaking nerd?
1: Seven to Eternity, number three. I had I talked on about this a couple months ago about this beautiful series from Rick Remender, kind of a fantasy series with the best art in comics right now uh, by Jerome Opeña. Uh, this issue three turns out is. Uh, these first three issues have all been the setup. Uh, I remember when I talked about the first issue, I was like, well, I don't really know what this is about yet, but it's really good. And it's because instead of cramming the entire sort of pitch into the first issue, he spread it out over three issues. And uh, it turns out uh, in this issue, he finally gathers sort of this team of seven, these seven people with uh, sort of superpowers that are fighting back against the God of Whispers that has taken over... uh, taken over the entire land and they kidnap the god of whispers and they're on this journey to try to depower him so that the land is uh basically the god of whispers has control over all of the citizens he can see through their eyes he can hear through their ears and he uses that to control the entire populace uh because he has eyes and ears literally everywhere um so this team of like seven heroes sort of takes him down and kidnaps him and now they're on this quest but they've got the kings or the God of Whisper's like entire army in tow so this these three issues have all been sort of just setting the table for what this series is actually going to be about and I really appreciate that they took the time because it allowed them to show some really dynamic interesting characters, establish relationships that we care about and show off a lot of Jerome Pena art which I'm not going to complain about so if anyone's looking for like a good indie title to jump on now before it's like on issue 45 and everyone's talking about it and you wish you had started like Saga, Saga hit issue 40 today and I know a lot of people want to get into it but it's a little daunting jump in on 7 to Eternity right now only three issues the three issues you can read all in one sitting because it's all kind of one big introduction and it will get you hooked So uh, definitely recommend 7 to Eternity number 3 from Image Comics
0: you should text that to me in like uh, an hour cuz if you do that I will probably read it.
1: All right, fair. Um all right, Chris. We can get to it. <laughs> You've been good. You've oh been my good. God. We're like 40,
0: we're 46 minutes in. I didn't even think we hardly had any books to talk hey about. Man, today. it's a comic
1: book podcast. Uh, all right, it's, let's it's, let's it's get into it's it. It's
0: like a pop culture podcast.
1: <laughs> all right, Westworld. Westworld finale. Okay. I stayed up all until right. three a.m. watching this thing.
0: Okay. Okay. So first of all, let's give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. In in acknowledging that I was right. Okay. All right. <laughs> by by, where credit is due, I mean to me. Give me the credit.
1: The internet was right. You are not alone in this theory.
0: Okay, but I. I temper I,
1: your ego a little bit.
0: I put my money on it, though, and you were like, "I'm skeptical."
1: Okay. Well. <laughs> Can you just then thank me for getting you into this series in the first place? Because you wouldn't have yes. watched it yes, if I is. didn't tell you, hey, let's sit down and check this out.
0: That is accurate. And yeah. you even had to kind of twist my arm a little bit, as I recall. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I had to um, sit you down in your own home and be like, we're watching this thing right now.
0: Yeah, he did. He got on a plane and flew here Yep. and was like, this show is going to be awesome. If you don't watch it, you're going to totally miss out on the next big thing. You're going to not be cool anymore, and I won't be able to talk to you. Yeah, so that's what I we, said. We watched the first episode together. and
1: If I remember you right, you were like a little lukewarm. You were like, yeah, it's good, yeah, but...
0: Yeah, I was. I mean, it, it kind of took me some time to get hooked on it, you know? Mm-hmm. I liked yeah. the first episode, but it's just like hard for me to really get into new stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, spoilers, we're going to talk... Mad spoilers on this show We're going to yes. talk about all of it The whole the whole season So if you've not watched all the episodes of Westworld Season 1 Of which there are 10 uh, Turn back now Because we <laughs> are going to just say whatever we want About this show mm-hmm. So first and foremost Bernard was a clone of Arnold Or not a clone so much as a, a Robot Rebuild, yeah Replica, let's say replica
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, That was really interesting And also kind of I feel, like, obvious. Like, they almost hinted it, like, too much, you know? I think they, I feel like they kind of underestimated the power of the internet theory machine.
1: I think so, too. Because especially, uh, of course, in this uh, episode we find out as well that William is the man in black. And throughout the whole beginning of the episode, when they were still, like, teasing it, I was like, come on, guys, we know like yeah. stop bending over backwards to like yeah. ha- i know you want the big reveal but we all know already you know right. and so uh it it felt like uh it did for me, it's they been did like underestimate
0: that. for me it's been like that for like several episodes where it's like right. oh they think still that we don't know <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> so that was uh so that's kind of my my overarching fe- feelings on the finale are that Nothing. There's one thing that happened that surprised me, but overall nothing really happened that was super surprising, but it was masterfully done. I thought it was so well executed, but they didn't necessarily spring anything unexpected on me.
0: I was surprised when they actually found the center of the maze. Well... But I thought that the, the maze thing was going to just go unresolved at this point because it seemed like they were still so far from actually figuring it out. And I've this whole time, I've been thinking that the maze was like an actual place that you go.
1: Well, so it seems like... Uh, let's recap this together, to talk this out so we can make sure we understand. It, it seems like the maze was sort of a physical maze in Westworld, but what it really was is the journey to consciousness, right?
0: To me, it se- I think it... And I'm still unclear on it, but it seems like maybe the maze is different for different hosts.
1: Right. So the maze seems to be the journey from memory to improvisation to this center, which is never revealed. You know, Arnold tells her that the the stages of consciousness are not a pyramid. They are a maze. And he draws that circle. He says the outside of the maze is memory followed by improvisation, because if you have only memory, you lose your mind, and you go bouncing to the edges. Uh, Improvisation, and then he says, and then you get to the center, and he never explicitly states what that is, but what it seems like is self-awareness, where Dolores finally realizes that the voice in her head is not Arnold's, and it's not programming, it's her own voice. She is having her own internal monologue, she is able to make her own decisions, and that seems to be what the maze is leading towards. So it's more of a journey for the host to... Uh, find themselves. The center
0: of the maze is is the point where you start improvising based on your memories, because they also like, I think it's Ford that says something about how can you learn from your mistakes if you can't remember them.
1: Right, yeah. Um, Which is why he doesn't uh, wipe uh, someone's memory, I don't remember who, I don't remember what context he said that under, but I remember him saying that.
0: Or maybe it was one of those technician guys. Because Maeve wanted someone to remove her memories of her daughter. That's and right. And somebody tells her, I can't... It's... Oh, it's Bernard. Bernard. Bernard says that, Bernard yeah. Bernard says yeah. And yeah. He, he's like, I can't do that without destroying you. Yeah. Um, and there's a didn't... lot in the show about how they're, they're, those first memories, like their most tragic memories, tend to be the very center focal point of who they are. And right. everything else branches out from there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm. There's so much in this series, and I'm gonna definitely rewatch this season. Yeah. Um, that's still fuzzy to me.
1: That's my theory though, is that the maze was sort of a, a physical maze, but the point of the physical maze was to have Dolores revisit areas from her memory, in the hopes that she would be able to not lose her mind, but instead act on those memories and find her way to consciousness. And she's been trying it for thirty years but I don't think she really ever got there until now. But the twist in that is, did she get there or is Ford writing all of this as part of his new narrative? Cause that's what we find out about Maeve. Maeve did right. not actually achieve consciousness and escape. That was put there by Ford. Uh, it was written into her code that she would do that. And Ford obviously has coded into Dolores to come kill him, uh, on the stage at the end. But did he though? That's what I think season two is going to explore. Uh, did you watch the the big moment thing after the episode? Uh, on the- HBO. You know, no. like, the the episode ends, and they usually do, like, a the big moment from the episode. It's like a recap where they talk to Jonathan Nolan about, like, oh, no, the I big twist. That. So he, he talks a little bit about season two. Uh, he says how if the whole theme of season one was control, the theme of season two is going to be chaos. Okay. And it's going to deal with the aftermath of Ford's new narrative. Like, what was he planning? Why was he planning it? How much did he have control over? And so... It seems like season two is going to pick up exactly where we left off, which is anarchy in this park, and explore the fallout of it.
0: Um, we and also the chaos don't know for occurs. sure that Ford is the one who programmed Maeve to do everything that she was doing. That's we true. Can, that's it true. seems like a safe assumption, but maybe it could have been Bernard that was doing it. Yeah. Maybe Bernard has things he does that he's not even fully aware of.
1: That's true. Maybe, uh, or maybe there's some, like, aspect of Arnold's codes in one of the hosts that's you know, telling them to rewrite things. But yeah, um, but it's
0: so it seems like we're to understand that by the end of that episode, Dolores is truly alive, that she's found her free will and her consciousness, and then she goes to kill Ford. So it, it seems like she, it seems like it's supposed to be presented that that was her decision.
1: It is, but it also seems like Ford is fully aware of it.
0: Right, which is one thing I was going to bring up is like how did so how did Ford know that that would happen when it did?
1: That's the thing is I think the question is is this Dolores becoming fully conscious or is this Ford controlling her again? Because he clearly controls her enough to stage that scene with Teddy on the beach for the narrative, so he still does have control over her because uh, he's able to freeze her and stage that entire death sequence you know in front of all the board members and stuff
0: but just because he can do like freeze all motor functions and stuff still right like doesn't mean that she doesn't have free will when she's active
1: well yeah so it could be a combination maybe she does have free will now but he still commanded her to kill him uh and uh now she's finally free because he's dead maybe that's the way that he's freeing them is by giving himself the only control and then having himself killed
0: I don't know. Well,
1: we'll probably have to find out.
0: It's I thought the a puzzle. most
1: the most exciting reveal for me though was Samurai World or Shogun <laughs> World or whatever yeah. that's going to be. Uh, the tease that there are multiple parks.
0: Yeah, and not only that, but then when the technician guy hands Maeve that piece of paper that says where her quote unquote daughter is, it says Parkland. Did you notice one. it actually? It says Park 1, yeah. like Sector 2, Zone 3 or whatever. Yeah,
1: which was something from the movie. I think in the movie there were multiple. There was, like, uh, Old Greek, you know, or uh, Ancient Greece land, and, you know, like all these different places you could go. So I'm wondering if we're going to get to explore those and have, like, sort of a colliding of parks, you know?
0: I doubt that it'll come into play too much in the second season, but I'm sure it'll be, like,
1: yeah, they might to some extent. Well, what... I think what was sort of uh, interesting about this is, I was expecting this series to have a self-contained st- or this season to have a self-contained story, uh, and then pick up with another story. Maybe, oh, Siri just reacted to something. Uh, I was expecting um, this to be a self-contained story, and then season two would. I, I was like expecting this to resolve, sort of. So. We knew from the beginning, because this is sort of a Jurassic Park premise, that things in the park were going to go wrong. And I thought that this season was going to end with some sort of big massacre or something and then have some resolution. And then the next season would start something else. But it seems to be that if they've got five seasons planned out, maybe this is all going to be one continuous story across five seasons, right?
0: I definitely think so. Yeah. So It'd be really stupid, I think, if they did it any other way.
1: Right. And uh, so... At one at, at one point, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get to see the full carnage break breakout. And we have to wait a whole year before we get to see, you know, what really happens. But at the same time, I like that they have a larger game at play. And it starts with just this. But maybe we eventually get to the parks colliding to complete breakdown to maybe the, the host escaping into the real world. You know, like there's endless things that could happen now by I... not just resolving things.
0: I, yeah, I really like the way that they did it. I like how it's, I do, it sucks that we have to wait so long for season two, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: I think it's, like, everything that I wanted to be resolved in season one, like, was. Yeah. There's still things I don't understand, but it just felt like it was a good ending, and it, like, it felt like that was a good time to, like, close the door on, like, this chapter, and, like, next season is gonna be, like, a whole new premise. I mean, not a whole new premise, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it feels neat and tidy and, and like, a clean break between yeah. season one and season two. Like, I think I think it's perfect.
1: You know what I kind of realized last night uh, was that all of, like, our little grievances from the beginning never got resolved, but we got distracted by the big mysteries, and so we never really worried about them again. Like, remember we were talking on this podcast about, like, how do the weapons work? You know? Like, yeah. they've got to tell us how these weapons work so we know who can hurt who, And I've also had the question from the beginning of, like, when do the hosts reset? Because it seems like the storylines reset every day. But if, and of course the hosts uh, will reset when they die. um, But, like, if a host is with a guest at the park, they don't reset, right? They keep their memory and they keep hanging out with that guest, but then doesn't that disrupt the other storylines that are supposed to reset every day? Like, do they only reset when they die, or do they only reset when they're by themselves and not with a guest? Like, that's kind of, like, what I was confused about through the whole thing, too, and that was really, never really clarified.
0: Well, okay, so for the guns, my theory on that is that they are special guns that are only used inside the park, and that they behave differently based on... If like a host is holding it, like the gun is able to read that signature from the host and it knows not to actually fire real bullets, Hmm. which I don't, I can't think of a hole in that theory because the gun that Dolores uses to kill Ford at the end of the finale is one that Ford gave her.
1: Yeah, that's true. And Arnold
0: gave her before.
1: But... They could have given her a legitimate gun, right, because it was given yeah, to, yeah,
0: that's what I'm saying, yeah,' like so that I think that theory holds up that most of the guns in the park, aside I, from like the exceptions like that special gun Dolores gets, are specially crafted so that they like those guns know when a host is holding them.
1: I was wondering if it was more like uh they're essentially just bB guns, but the hosts have like little micro detonators in their like bodies that sort of explode when contact is made or when a gun has been fired in their direction so the gun is definitely plausible. just just a bb gun but when they get hit by it their their a little detonator
0: explodes and shoots them but then we see the man in black get shot at the end of the finale, and it's definitely real bullets.
1: Well, that's so that's the question, is how did they do... I mean, even if, they, if the hosts are now willing to kill someone, which they clearly are, where did they get the guns that would allow them to do that? You know?
0: And they've been willing to kill in certain circumstances ever since the first episode, when we see Teddy try to shoot the man in black, and it just doesn't do anything.
1: Well, yeah, they can shoot them harmlessly, but you'll notice that as soon as any guest tries to get a host to shoot him point-blank... They can't pull the trigger because I think even if it was like a BB gun or something like that, that's enough to seriously hurt someone. And so if when uh, the man in black grabs Teddy's gun and puts it right to his forehead, Teddy can't pull the trigger. Yeah. Because that's also in their coding, you know, not to hurt anyone beyond like normal bruises and stuff.
0: And then, okay, so what was the other thing that you said the second one?
1: About when do the hosts reset, you know? Oh, because, yeah, that's
0: pretty unclear.
1: Yeah, because Dolores goes days with William without resetting. When she dies, of course, she resets because she has to get cleaned up. When she's by herself, I would assume she resets for the storylines. But I would imagine if you have guests in the park all the time just hanging out and going on journeys with these hosts, the storylines would get all kinds of fucked up every day right. because hosts wouldn't be where they needed to be. And especially that that British writer is always getting so antsy whenever they take his hosts out of the park because they're going to disrupt his storylines, you know? Yeah. So that's something I'm curious about, too.
0: But But we won't think about that. Well,
1: that's the thing is I don't think the writers care. I I think at this point they are not going to answer those for us because they've got bigger mysteries to give us, you know? And so I wish they would, but it's one of those oversights that, like, always gets overshadowed by the other stuff that's
0: happening. Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like, as far as when do they reset, it seems like they just probably, like, if you go and you keep a host with you for days on end, it'll stay with you and then like cuz like then Dolores finally resets when she runs off and William can't find her and you know apparently she gets like raped and and left for dead by a bunch of soldiers
1: yeah
0: um so obviously that's a fitting time for her to be reset and start over right the like the question that i guess is unanswerable is why doesn't that completely screw up every every storyline right so that yeah. i i don't know yeah But yeah, this was a
1: this was an excellent season of television.
0: Yeah, it was. I'm and gonna miss it. And I still miss have it. so many questions. I I am looking forward to rewatching this the season so that I can try to answer some of the questions I have.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing some robot samurai.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> I want to see a showdown yeah. between like Teddy and a uh, and a samurai, and watch Teddy get killed again.
0: You'll probably get that. Yeah. That's that sounds like a thing that'll happen. Yeah. All right, well, that wraps it up for me.
1: All right. Uh, great ep. Great week for geeks. Lots of cool stuff happening this week. Uh, we'll Anything be back. Anything
0: you're really excited to read this, this week? Champions
1: number three is out this week. Oh, cool. uh, not only Champions number three, we got Avengers number two. We got Unworthy Thor coming back. Uh, we got a new series from Archie Comics, Reggie and Me. Uh, so uh, it's now that we're into December, we got some uh, good books coming out.
0: Nice. We'll have uh, a, a lot to talk about next week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week.
0: Tweet to us at Pmuchobsessed. Uh, we have one person in the drawing right now for the t-shirt, which yeah. I'm going to probably do that drawing by the end of the year. So.
1: Lil, Lil Davey Warpane is in the drawing to win a t-shirt. Wait, because it was originally my, uh, my uh, Christmas present, am I in the drawing too? Do I have a, a chance against him, or is the drawing just him? Yeah, no, it's just him. Oh, man. So I guess I lost my present.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did. Womp um, womp.
1: Thanks, David.
0: All right, well, have a good week, Dalton.
1: No problem. Have a good week, I,
0: Chris. I won't, I won't talk to you at any point until we don't... No, I don't we, know if you guys know this, but we, me and Dalton don't talk. we don't, no, we're we not don't
1: talk friends. until we hit record. So... Yeah.
0: No, that actually is a thing that we should start doing.
1: Not talking?
0: So it, I think it'll make our podcast Are you better.
1: breaking up with me?
0: Uh, I mean... I would think of it more like a break.
1: (laughs) Are we going to start podcasting with other people?
0: (laughs) Can we talk about this later? (laughs) All right, guys. All right, guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye.